What's going on? Welcome to episode number two of the Look Mum, I'm Hustling podcast. My name is Drew. I'm Sarah, and today we're going to talk through all things hustling and how we make our money on the side. Alrighty, welcome back to Look Mum, I'm Hustling. Today, we're going to talk about our side business, our side hustle, our mm-hmm. side income. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how we got to where we are today, how we started. I'm very excited to talk about this one because we've come a long way in the last 18 months to two years to mm-hmm. get to where we are. Uh, we've reached a lot of our personal finance goals and using our side income to pay off our debt, which is super exciting. Yep help facilitate a few extra smaller purchases throughout the year as well. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty cool. Um, But yeah, let's get into it. So for those that don't know, I'm Drew. This is Sarah. We're known as Look Mum, I'm Hustling. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the podcast version. We used to do a YouTube channel called Look Mum, I'm Hustling, which has now been rebranded into It's Drew and Sarah as more of a a personal approach and insight into our lives. And now the Look Mum, I'm Hustling stuff is here on the podcast. So you're in the right place. That's a good start. Definitely. So the purpose of the podcast is to share the behind the scenes, um, just be able to talk through low key uh, how we approach our daily lives, especially with the income that we make on the side. That's like, it's a big part of what we do. And with uh, original YouTube as well. So it was predominantly thrifting and reselling and it was predominantly how we made the money on the side, but we just wanted to expand a little bit more. So I might start off with um, eBay, which is our big one. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how we make a lot of our money on the side. Um, uh, You were the one that actually really started it all. Yeah. So I guess we should rewind a bit and give a bit of a, a backstory to how we got to where we are today and why we sell on eBay and why we resell. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we have mentioned it in a few of our videos and interviews on other people's YouTube channels in the past, but basically uh, a slimmed down story mm-hmm. uh, is both of our parents used to go to op shops a lot and did, get yeah. secondhand clothes and stuff like that. My mum in particular was more of the artsy type. We never really went there for clothes or anything like that. Um, used to just go for art supplies and furniture. Yeah, where my mum was, she mainly went for clothes. She did go for furniture and things like that, but she works um, or used to work at an accounting firm. So she used to shop for a lot of business clothes because, you know, it wasn't something she would wear like on the weekend. So she didn't want to spend too much money on it. So that's where I sort of got my love for thrifting of clothes from her. We used to go on our days off and just have a look around at the op shops to see all the goodies we could find. I guess we were both brought up with op shopping in the back of our minds obviously our parents did go there to some degree to get some items Mm -hmm. Um, and that's sort of where we found it I guess growing up and in high school it wasn't the coolest thing to do no and a lot of people still think now that oh gross secondhand clothes they're dirty and whatever but most of the time you do find a lot of brand new items there like a lot of things that people didn't wear and they just cleaned out their closet Um, but yeah we were brought up knowing that you know secondhand clothes are just as good as brand new clothes yeah leading into now uh, I guess about two years ago, we were trying to think of ways to get more income and mm-hmm. think of new things to do to generate money and, and do on our days off. Yeah, exactly. Because we wanted to, at that point as well, we wanted to travel overseas, which we did. We went to Vietnam. That was a big part. Um, but it was just mainly... I guess, starting our financial journey because we did have quite a bit of debt accumulated between us um, and we really wanted to get on top of it as well and 
by yourself, like watching a lot of other people, like YouTubers, people like Gary Vee, that kind of stuff and be like, well, if you've got time, you can make money in that time. You can make money. You just got to put in the research Mm -hmm. and just try 50 things and then just stick with the one that you enjoy the most. Uh, Might not bring you the most money, but if you can make a little bit of side income from Mm -hmm. a passion, then that's like the best avenue for financial freedom, escaping the rat race and the nine to five. Yeah, definitely. And that passion is a huge thing because just say um, if you are reselling or thrifting and you don't enjoy it, it's just become, it just it's just going to become like another job. And that's what we didn't want. We wanted something like a hobby that was also fun at the same time because we do have our nine to five job and we didn't want to be working, working, I guess, like the whole entire time. And that's what I love about thrifting is because you go shopping essentially, um, but you also see the potential value in what you're finding. You'd be like, wow, I can actually make a bit of money on this. Yeah, there's always value in in things. Like people are just unaware or uneducated to like dig a little bit deeper and find Mm -hmm. out the true value or worth of an item. Yeah. I mean, an op shop or a thrift store might have a thousand books there. Mm Mm-hmm. 20 of them might be worth $100. You're never going to know unless you get researching and mm-hmm. spend the time, you know, putting the effort in. If you wanted to start reselling or just trying to find a little bit of extra income, what we started and what we recommend everybody starting is look around your own home and have a look to see is there anything at home that I'm currently not using? Could I clean up my closet? Am I actually wearing all these shoes, knickknacks that you have lying around? Um, Just start off in your own home and be like, well, what am I not using? What can I get rid of? What will make me a little bit of extra money? Yeah, 100% people listening to this right now or watching this on YouTube, Mm -hmm. I reckon have at least $2,000 worth of stuff sitting around unless you've already cleared yourself out. Yeah, Maria Kondo your life. (laughs) You're going to have books, you're going to have clothing, electronics you don't use, Mm -hmm. Sony cameras from 2002 that you've never used since. I think I had an old Panasonic camcorder that still took tapes and obviously we don't use that anymore. And yeah, I think we ended up selling it for a couple hundred on eBay, which is pretty sick. Yeah. So there's always money to be made. Mm. Like you said, start at home if you're interested in making a bit of side income and just figuring out how eBay works and Mm -hmm. figuring out the postage and all the sort of backend administration boring stuff. Yeah. Start with a few things at home, list Mm -hmm. five to 10 items get used to the platform. Exactly. And the buy-in isn't expensive because you're using your own items as well. So, you know, you don't have any wasted money just sitting there. Yeah. It's just a really good way to get started. Yeah. So, after that, after you've learned a bit, made a bit of money, Mm -hmm. then what, like, I guess what we did was start buying or not even buying, getting things for free off Facebook. Facebook. So, Mm. literally just jumping on Facebook Marketplace or your local buy and sell pages for your local suburbs. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we just typed in free books or free bulk lot and stuff like that. I think the first two major lots were all books that we got. Um, Probably 50% of them sold in Mm -hmm. the first 12 months. A lot didn't and they're probably still sitting in the front room waiting for for re-donation. But yeah, sell the things you have at home. Mm Mm-hmm. Start trying to find uh, free lots where you don't have to buy in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whether it's books or DVDs, things like that. Everyone's always clearing out their DVDs. And if you can buy them cheap and then once you divide the cost and be like, wow, it's only like 30 cents per item, then you could be like, oh, I can, you know, put this up for 10 bucks. Mm. Yeah, it really all those little costs add up. Yeah, so even if you don't want to go the free route or you don't 
think you'd like the idea of mm-hmm. listing a hundred books. Mm-hmm. Ask your family and friends if they have any clothes or items they want to. That's huge. Yeah. Donate to you. Uh, I know we've had friends and family give us items before, mm-hmm. even if it's only f- eight t-shirts. Yeah. And they they sell for ten fifteen dollars each. Mm-hmm. You made a hundred dollars from doing nothing other than clearing out someone's wardrobe for them. Exactly. Yeah. Because we're we're happy to put in that time and that effort, and a lot of people aren't. So I think. I think I cleared out my mum's closet. There was a couple of people from my work that were clearing out stuff and they found out that I sort of resell online. They ended up giving them to me and I paid them back with a couple of coffees. So it was all good. A couple of coffees? A couple of coffees, yeah. Can't complain with that. I know. That's sort of basically how we started reselling. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you learn a lot along the way and in the middle of thrifting items, you're always researching on Mm -hmm. eBay and stuff like that. Um, But we've sort of figured out our our lane almost and what we enjoy more and more of doing and listing and buying and that sort of thing and we're definitely more of a clothing reseller yeah i really enjoy the clothing parts especially whether it's vintage clothes i really enjoy the vintage shirts um but it's just something that we're a little bit more familiar with and we find it easier to list Uh, we find it easier to compare pricing and take photos and everything as well so it's very much uh, within our means for clothing but we do know a lot of good resellers that you know focus on electronics or gaming um you have some that are purely just vintage clothing in general general some just do shoes everyone sort of finds what they're happy to resell and that's a big thing like if you're happy doing it you're going to find it a lot better long term yeah you're not going to get bogged down in the minutiae and the the boring stuff of like some people hate measuring shirts and stuff yeah we don't mind it's sort of a two-person effort so it's Mm -hmm. not one of us doing all the tasks or we sort of split the workload which is really nice but if there's aspects that are sort of boring or Mm -hmm dragging you down yeah and it's not really what you're passionate about then try and find something else to to make side income on but yeah we we really like doing clothing it's very easy for us to yeah. to list and clean and photograph and store and ship out it's just super easy for us is you just fold up the shirt, put it in a satchel and stick a label on it and at the door. Yeah, super easy. And storage is probably another big thing because although we do have quite a nice sized home and we do have a room for all the storage, like clothing compacts really small. So we actually can have a thousand plus clothes and it fits in like 20 tubs or whatever. Two square meters almost. Yeah, yeah. and it, we find that it doesn't take up a lot of space. So clothing definitely suits us and what we want to achieve in the long term as well. Um, eventually, I probably would like to expand in a little bit of other areas but i'm super comfortable or super happy with clothing at the moment yeah and it's again it's about finding your lane and finding out what you like maybe you're into collectibles of toys or video games but ebay is not our only platform no. obviously there's many other platforms to sell on mm. um like depop is a big one for us we don't it's not that big in australia no. yet but i think it's going to increase in terms of popularity and user base i think so it's very young demographic we actually released um two videos on sort of how to set up a depop as well on our youtube on it's drew and sarah um but yeah we find that depops actually are, it's a lot of fun using depop because it's a lot more chilled a lot more relaxed where ebay is a lot more formal um but depops very instagramish is probably the best that i can sort of describe it with the picture layout and everything and the type of young kids that are on there um but besides uh depop you also have grailed um that's purely american based but that's more i guess as the name suggests like grail items yeah yeah really cool uh special edition sort of stuff limited edition run vintage yeah you've had a couple of sales in there not much had a couple nothing too crazy Mm -hmm. it is like you said it's it's all u.s based there are australian users but all the currency and stuff is in u.s Mm -hmm. 
Um, but there's also Facebook Marketplace is a big one. Yeah. Uh, it's about finding, again, what you enjoy buying and selling mm-hmm. um, and then finding the best avenue for it. Obviously, Depop and Grailed are primarily for clothing. Yeah, for you sure. You can sell. People sell comic books and pop culture type pop stuff. Pop culture stuff on Depop as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas Facebook, you can sell pretty much anything on there. Furniture is a big anything. one. Anything, yep. <laughs> whether it's plants, food, like you can pretty much get anything on Facebook Marketplace. And it's always good to look on Facebook Marketplace. I'd say probably daily would be good to have a look at it. So even if you're interested, so for us, for I think we we're looking for a coffee table for a while. So I was looking on Facebook like twice a day just to see what I could find. Um, if you're after like good bulk deals, you can actually set up um, notifications. So when someone posts something, um, you'll get a notification saying something's just been posted and you can have a look at it to see if it will be what you're interested in. Yeah, just little things like that can really help, I guess, maximize your time so you're not spending all day looking at Facebook. Um, you can, yeah, you can set up those notifications for it. Yeah. And not only can you sell on, just say, Facebook or you can sell on eBay Depop, you actually can use those platforms for sourcing for yourself as well. So you can find good deals on those platforms. So you can, it's pretty much buy, buy and sell on all on those platforms, which is pretty cool. Cool. So... We've talked about how we started our side hustle, a few of the things we like to buy and sell yep. and tips of platforms to to look at to look at and utilize. I guess we should talk about what our goals are for it's 2021. Yeah. Obviously, everyone's got new year resolutions and mm-hmm. new goals and stuff going forward for the new year. Mm-hmm. We haven't really discussed it too much in terms of how we want to approach the business and scale it for this year. Yeah. Uh, we're very focused on just making sure the content is great at this point. But in terms mm-hmm. of the side income, the side hustle, the eBay business, yeah. what would you like to do more of this year and potentially less of this year? I'd like to do more. I'd like to scale up the eBay business a little bit more if we could um, just to get that little bit extra. At the moment, we're able to draw about $200 a week out of our eBay business. As well um, as reinvesting. As well as reinvesting. Um, but we're able to draw out $200 to put towards our savings at the moment. But I'd really love to be able to double that if we could um, just to be able to give us that little bit extra jump and create our savings or build our savings faster, really. Um, But again, that does take time. And that's a huge thing as well as making sure that you you have your goals, but also achievable goals within the time that you do have. Because a lot of people do have a lot of goals that you want to get done, you want to have by the end of the year. And a lot of things can happen like COVID or something like that. But you want to make sure that the goals that you do set for yourself are achievable um, and not out of your realm. Yeah, Mm. it's... A lot of people use the the smart the what is it the smart smart goals smart goals so yeah mapping out what your end goal is and then uh, like reverse engineering it one step at a time to where you are now and essentially create a strategy an achievable strategy to achieve that goal. So what is a smart spe- specific? Is um, it specific? Specific <laughs> might be specific. Um, specific, measurable, achievable, and time. Uh, yeah, something time. Yeah. We'll put it in the description we'll, down below. <laughs> yeah. But it's about essentially just write things out. Like mm. a lot of people, us included, keep thoughts in our head a lot of the time and it's easy to get sidetracked and forget those things. So we have about uh, 38 whiteboards in the house. We do. We have a lot of whiteboards. One thing that we've actually gotten a lot better in than the last probably three months or so is actually communicating to each other, um, planning a little bit more, but just continually talking about 
the things that we want to achieve. Um, are we on track? Are we staying on track? Is it working? Is it not working? If it's not working, how can we make it work? We're continuously troubleshooting everything that we do just to make sure that not only we stay happy, but everything stays on track as well. Like our happiness is a big priority for us um, and things can get out of control really easy. So we just need to make sure that we keep talking to each other, keep planning, keep working through um, all the issues. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a huge thing just to keep talking through it. Yeah, it's a very good point. And it's easy to get sidetracked with other things and yeah. forget about the main mission. But if you have it written down somewhere, it's just an easy referral point. Mm-hmm. Look at your whiteboard, see where you're at. Are you on track? Are you not? What can you change to get you back on track? Exactly. And it's very easy to get bogged down with analysis paralysis as well. Oh, like, for sure. There's a fine line between um, sitting down and talking through and configuring what your uh, sticking points are. Mm-hmm. But if you do that too often, then it's also going to be at your detriment. So it's about finding a balance between just grinding through and then reassessing because um, Sometimes we just reassess for for too long and we don't get anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Which I think what happened in 2020 was we just kept reassessing and not moving over that. But like I said, in the last three months, we're on track, super happy with where we're traveling. Um, uh, Our goals, I'm pretty happy with the goals that we have set. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so definitely scaling the eBay business is one, um, making sure that we do focus on each other Mm -hmm. as well, which is another big thing. Um, And just utilizing the time that we have is a big one. I know I've mentioned time quite a bit, but it's it's a huge factor for both of us because especially because we work full time, um, we want to make sure that we do prioritize yeah. ourselves. What I'm really looking forward to is focusing more on the content that we're creating and mm-hmm. actually creating quality content, which is a big thing. A lot of the times we would be like, oh crap, we've got to you know record something today and it would just be the same thing that we're always doing, which we're happy to do. But it was getting repetitive and we wanted to do something new and different. But mm-hmm. the problem is we just kept planning and nothing was happening. So now we're actually doing. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah. Doing. Awesome. <laughs> well, I'm excited. Yes. Um, obviously, we've got a lot of things going on this year. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to start a few different avenues of videos and content. But I think the smart thing to do is just to have those... Visual. In the mind or probably on the whiteboard. Yeah. Um, planned out and not really try and attack those for another six to 12 months when we've really knuckled down. Exactly. The YouTube channel, the podcast, the reselling, everything's just on a nice steady trajectory upwards. Exactly. And then we can look at other avenues. Yeah. Slow and steady is a huge thing. You don't want to scale too quickly. You don't want to rise too quickly. You want to be able to do it slow and steady. That way you're building a really, really strong foundation. And that way, if things do happen, you still have that foundation to build on top of. That's what we're doing. 2020 was all about building our foundation. And 2021 is, I guess, fortifying that and growing nice and steady up. Cool. So- I'm pretty excited. I'm very excited. Yeah. yeah it's going to be, I'm looking very much forward to this year. Uh, we've done quite a bit of planning, but we've actually started to ed- execute that planning, which I'm very proud of us to do. <laughs> awesome. Well, that pretty much is all we have to talk about in terms of the side income and stuff. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a short break and give you guys our first book review. Yes, our first book review. All right, so this week's book review is Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Hopefully, I didn't butcher that name too much. I'm pretty sure a lot of people listening and watching have probably heard of this book, if not read it. Yeah. 
I believe it's like the number one personal finance book for like the last 20 odd years. There's been a few reiterations with mm-hmm. different updates based on the market and um, I guess new information is learned. Yeah. Because yeah, as, as you know, like with time, you know, especially in money, the market changes and you have to develop and grow and you always have to change your viewpoint as well with while the world changes. Yeah. So we don't read that many financial or personal finance books. This one I listened to on Audible. Same. Um, listen to it, sent it to you mm-hmm. to so you could sort of listen to it and then we can both be on the same level in terms of discussing the content and getting the same thoughts in our brains. Yeah. Um, but it's quite a quick audiobook. It's only about eight hours. Yeah, it wasn't too long. I listened to it while I was cooking on my way to work. Yeah, it's just one of those ones you actually can listen to in small increments. Yeah. I mean, you can listen to an hour a day and get it done in a week. So, mm-hmm. And it's pretty invaluable information as we're going to touch on. It's stuff that's going to get you through the rest of your life and just help you in the way you're thinking about your money and finance and how to not lose your money yeah, because you worked so hard for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I read this book or listened to this book and from the get-go, I was quite enthusiastic and quite enthralled with the content, mm-hmm. um, really enjoyed Robert's point of view. Mm-hmm. I believe he does get a lot of backlash online. Obviously, anything finance-related online, there's always two sides to a story. Some people are going to attack someone because their uh, approach or point of view is completely different. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... Everything we say and everything in the book, take with a grain of salt. This is just our opinion based on one person's book. Exactly. Obviously, a lot smarter and wealthier than we are. So, (laughs) it is what it is. But I enjoyed the book. I thought there was a lot of valuable stuff to be learnt from there. Mm -hmm. Something I wish I had have read 10 years ago. I actually gifted three copies of this book to some friends from work that are are a bit younger and I think would really um, gain a lot from the book and just get some life lessons from it. So... It's a great gift giver for sure. Maybe someone's birthday or Christmas 2021, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Um, There's actually two follow-ups as well. So Mm -hmm. we might touch on that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But let's, I think we might go through a few quotes because there's a lot to digest from the book. Maybe we can read a few quotes and just discuss the main sort of talking points. Yeah, exactly. The biggest takeaways of it. But yeah, just to reiterate your previous point, like I wish because I've only just really started my financial education and I really wish that I read this like 10 years ago. Um, I was telling people at work, I'm like, why didn't I discover this so long ago? But, you know, it's better late than never. Um, I know that's like a typical quote, but it actually is in this instance. Like it's better to learn now than never at all. Yeah. So the the essence of the book is basically taking control of your money and realizing what's making you money and what's costing you money. Yeah, exactly. And learning how to get that money to work for you. Yeah. All right. So let's just let's just go through a few quotes, some mm-hmm. of the more popular quotes. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can just discuss some of- Yeah, exactly. Discuss, discuss some of them. Yeah. All right. So one of the quotes, one of the most common quotes from the book There is a difference between being poor and being broke. Broke is temporary. Poor is eternal. Mm. What do you think we are? I think we were broke before. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've ever been poor. I know growing up, my parents have been broke. And I just remember there was a time that we, I think it was like just having dip dip eggs or, you know, eggs and toast and stuff. Sorry for non-Australians out there. Um, But yeah, it's one of those ones like I think that we're, quite rich in our personal lives, but just a bit, um, when it comes to money, we weren't the best. <laughs> yeah. it's It comes down, like this quote comes down to, uh, at the end of the day, comes down to 
self-awareness mm-hmm. and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Huge. If you're not aware of why you're poor or why you're broke or why you're spending all of the money that you're making, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, you're never going to grow out of that into a more... Like wider mindset in ex- a way? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, a very, it's a very good takeaway for that one is just to, I guess, understand what your money is, where it's coming from, where it's going out, just being fully aware of the money coming in and out. I think that's the biggest thing, like, yeah. you know, just knowing. And it kind of ties into this quote. This is probably the more common or more popular quote from the book, which is, rich people acquire assets, the poor and middle class acquire liabilities that they think are assets. Mm-hmm. So that ties into uh, broke is temporary, mm-hmm. poor is eternal. It's about recognizing what your habits are and why it's costing you money and uh, financial freedom in the future. Yeah. So the way that he sort of broke that down in the book as well, like the differences between those two, like I didn't even know, like I didn't even realize. It's, it's so, it seems so simple. Yeah. But some, you just got to have someone laid out for you. Yeah. And after reading that book and figuring out, okay, so what is a liability and what is an asset that I have at home? Mm-hmm. And I realized that we have a little bit more liabilities than we do assets. Obviously, eBay that we have is a good asset for us. Um, but you got little things like a car, which I never knew was a liability. Yeah. Yeah. Just little things like that that sort of add up. But just discovering that initially made me think about our finances in a whole new spectrum. Yeah. You, you hear the word asset and liability thrown around unless you're in the financial world or in that sort of realm, then it's just another word out of the dictionary. Mm. Obviously, there's the sort of the broader population's mm-hmm. definition yeah. as opposed to someone that's financially educated educated, yeah. um, and the way they view the different terms. So, I guess in the book, um, assets are defined as something that is providing income. Mm-hmm. Liability is defined as something that that's is- taking your income away. Taking your income away. So, I've always thought of the car as an asset mm. in terms of it is an item that has- Value. Ten or $20,000 worth mm-hmm. of value to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've always considered that an, considered that an asset. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah, it's considered a liability, um, especially if you have a car loan or things like that. But the biggest thing, as a lot of people know, as soon as you car- drive the car out of the car lot, it loses its value. It drops down in value, um, which sort of makes sense. Um, but I guess it depends on your business as well. So just say if you're an Uber driver or something like that, then that liability can turn an asset because that's the way that you make money coming in. Okay, another quote. Uh, the primary difference between a rich person and a poor person is how they manage fear. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, you do hear that word fear throwing being thrown out quite a bit. Do you remember like what people say it stands for? Uh, false. Um, false. False. Expect- ah, well, trying to figure out what it was. Uh, we'll come back to it at one point. Some- false something appearing real. Yeah. False evidence appearing real yes, or something. Yes, that's it. Yes, that's like the definition of fear. And fear can get in in the way of accomplishing a lot of goals. Like I, and I guess you could, I never really thought about it, but I had a fear of money. I never realized until probably about two years ago. Like I just didn't realize, didn't care about it, um, didn't pay attention to it. But that just comes back from the knowledge of not knowing. And when you don't know, you sort of have a fear attached to it. Um, But as I'm starting to learn a little bit more, I'm not scared of it anymore. Like I'm not scared of the money going out, money coming in. I have a better grasp and a better understanding of it. It's a really, it's a really interesting book to read. Like it definitely gives you another 
another avenue on how to think about it. Um, yeah, so whether you read that one or something that could, you know, that's the opposite opinion, it's always good to read both both opinions, I think, on anything whether it is financial or health or anything like that, it's always good to get um, the two different sides. That way you're not just pigeonholing yourself into one opinion. Yeah. Confirmation bias is not great. Mm. And if you're stuck in a bit of an echo chamber, everyone's giving you the same bit of info, yeah. um, then your your chances of looking outside the box or, you know, Having a different point of view is quite limiting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, let's get on to probably the most potent and heavy-hitting quote from the book. Mm-hmm. Seems quite basic, but it's a great way of thinking about your life and your uh, relationship with money and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Most people work for money. Rich people have money work for them. Oof. Okay, so it, it seems super basic. And like you said, like... You're scared of, not scared of money, but sort of oblivious to the way mm. money worked for you. Exactly. Um, but now that we run a side business, we have to manage all that money. We don't have our uh, employer doing all the admin type of things yeah. for us. We've really gotten a grasp of um, the money coming in, mm-hmm. how to manage it and going out, paying bills, paying taxes, buying inventory all that sort of stuff. Yeah, work expenses. That's a huge thing. I never even thought about the amount of things that you can claim as a work expense. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. So we're, we're at the point now where we, we want the money to mm-hmm. start making money for us. That's yeah. the goal. You, we don't want to keep putting in, trading our time for money. Mm-hmm. We want to put our time, uh, our money in yeah. to then generate more money, which comes in many forms. It does. Um, investing in stocks and ETFs. Whether it's real estate, real estate investing. Um, we only just started to learn a little bit about that. Um, whether it is you have a side business, so things like us for our eBay with our thrifting and reselling of the clothes. Um, there's heaps of different things that we're just starting to discover to really broaden our opportunities. Yeah. Well, that was probably the biggest takeaway from me from the book. Mm-hmm. It's obviously probably always been there in my mind, mm-hmm. um, but having it written out in such a concise sentence just really it reiterates what our focus should be going into the future not for the next one or two years but for the next Mm -hmm. 30 years that was my favorite quote from the book for sure um the biggest takeaway from me was there anything else you wanted to talk about in regards to the book well just the just the biggest thing is just reading it in general and just figuring out they threw out like the words like rat race every now and then but just the varying opinions of the two different dads Dads. that he had as well so one was a highly educated worked for the government teacher all that kind of stuff and the other one was like entrepreneur self-employed had businesses um yeah it's just so varying different opinions and it's always good and like you said to not be in that little echo chamber and having those different opinions so whether it's the rich dad poor dad or who is like big on debt or you have dave ramsey who's like cut up all your credit cards Mm -hmm. like it just depends um what sticks with you and what you know, what really helps you move along in your journey. doesn't matter where you get your information from as long as you're getting it from varying sources. I think that's a big thing. Yeah. The the cool thing about the book was, like you said, the the polarizing uh, point of views from the two different dads. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how um, fictional or realistic the story is, but 99% of people that I know, probably 99.9% of people that I know have the, the poor dad mindset of yeah. just grinding, buying your house, then paying your house off until you're 60, 70, 80. Yeah. And then essentially 
like retiring and passing it on to your kids and stuff. And that's quite the normal opinion as well. Like we're raised up to, you know, get a job or no, get an education, get a job, save up for a house, have a family and kids, all that kind of thing, and then retire pretty much. But I don't really want to do that. I want to do something a little bit different. You know, I want to retire early, hopefully, which is why, you know, we're trying to hustle, hustle, hustle. But yeah, Rich Dad Poor Dad, a great book. There are two sort of follow-ups that I've gotten through. The second one is called The uh, Something Quadrant, I forget. <laughs> Basically, it's just uh, breaking up the mindset of people that are employed, mm-hmm. self-employed, uh, business owners and investors and the different mindsets they have. Gotcha, yeah. Um, and then the third one is purely about investing. Mm-hmm. I think the book, if you want the book off Amazon in Australia, is only about 11 bucks. Oh, super cheap. Super cheap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's our first book review. Yeah, it is. Um, and if you do read the book, they actually have the cash flow game on the website, isn't it, that you can play? Yep. So the, he does have a cash flow board game you can play on the website. Mm-hmm. It is a, a bit of a grail board game in the reselling community. Haven't found it yet. Haven't have found it. it. It goes for some good money. I think about $150, $200 around there. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we ever find it, I think it's more of a... A keep. <laughs> a keeper and player as opposed to selling. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the digital online version is pretty good. It, it yeah. definitely gives you a quick insight into how to escape the rat race. Yeah, the differences between like the assets and all that kind of stuff, which I thought was interesting. But a lot of the time it was – it's like do – it's about making those decisions mm. as well and, like, whether you do it or not do it. Um, I know I'm being quite vague. You have to play the game to really understand. Um, but, yeah, it was really interesting. It's just to see the potential of what that can do for you. Well, that's it. That's it for that's episode it. two of Look My Mum Hustling podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening mm-hmm. and watching over on YouTube if you're over there. Yep. Um yeah, if you wanted to subscribe, which would be amazing, please have a listen on where you get your podcast. Drop a review if you can. That will actually help us out a whole bunch as well. Yep. So we're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Jump on there, subscribe, five-star rating and review if you think we deserve that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can find us on social media as well. It's Drew and Sarah and Look Mum Hustling on Instagram if you want to follow the up-to-dates and the things yeah. that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you wanted to see all the behind the scenes stuff. Cool. Easy. All right. Until next time, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Keep making your mum proud. See ya. See ya. Thank you. Bye.